Welcome to the Thinking Leader Podcast, sponsored by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, we bring you new ideas and insights from business leaders, military leaders, and thought leaders. Ideas and insights that will help you think more deeply and lead more effectively, so that you can better navigate your complex world. Here again are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker Bryce Hoffman, and former Royal Air Force Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach Marcus Dimbleby. Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Alan Mullally. As I said at the end of the first half, there was so many more great ideas, so many more great insights that came out of the second half of this conversation that Marcus and I decided to split it up into two episodes. So without further ado, here's part two of our conversation with Alan Mullally, former head of Boeing, former CEO of Ford Motor Company, member of Alphabet's board of directors, one of the greatest CEOs in history. Welcome back. Wow, Alan, what a, what, what, what a great conversation. So much to unpack and what you shared already. It's like, it's like a mini MBA right there. <laughs> in fact, it's probably, I would submit, more valuable than a lot of, a lot of MBA programs in the world, just, <laughs> just what you shared in, in terms of learning there. And one of the things that, that I was thinking about as you were explaining the, the working together principles and practices and the, and the working together management system is how much this aligns with a lot of the stuff that we try to do at Red Team Thinking. And, and one of the things in particular that, that, that struck me was, you know, you talked about no jokes at anybody's expense. And one of the things that we say is, you know, Red, team, red Teaming and Red Team Thinking is all about getting people to, 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 to share the truth, to, to share their ideas to encourage diversity of thought, to go from divergent thinking to convergent thinking. And if, if, if a senior leader attacks someone or slaps someone down for sharing an idea, it becomes real hard to do red team thinking after that point. Same way if, 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 if you make a joke at someone's expense, everyone's going to be guarded. And that really gets to, to something that's really important, which is culture. And, and at red team thinking, we talk about the three C's, which are Clarity, capability, and culture. Now, like I said, this aligns so well with your working together management system because the BPR process is all about creating clarity, creating transparency. And working together as one team is about developing capability, having that find a way attitude and getting people the help that they need to solve the problems, solve the challenges that they're dealing with in their part of the organization. But what about culture? How do you how do you develop a working together culture? Sure. Well, first of all, I think your three C's are, are really good. And I think that the culture, it, it all starts with the culture. Because um, culture, in, in my case, I would say culture is by design because we design it and, and then we hold ourselves accountable for following it. And so you think about the principles and practices and the behaviors. Well, those behaviors are really, really clear. Remember I was talking about beliefs and values and, and the, the whole, thing, the, the whole thing about authenticity is alignment between 
your beliefs, your values, and your behaviors. Now, what the people can see are your behaviors. And that's why we focus on them. And it turns out uh, over and over again that every time we're on a different program or put together a new program or our business or whatever, is that when you're that clear about the behaviors, then what happens is people feel the satisfaction of, of working in that environment. And so their values and their beliefs actually move in a very positive direction. Because if it's not that way, then you're, it, it influences how you think about stuff in addition to your behaviors. So the answer to your question is, is that's why we focus on clarity um, it, on both the process we're going to follow. That's the business plan review, the creative value roadmap, the leadership team, um, and, the, and the BPR. That um, that's a very reliable process. We follow it. And we also follow the behaviors. So by definition, that now is including every element of culture, who we are, what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. And so that then gets to the accountability. So the real answer, bottom line to your question is, not only have you been clear and comprehensive about the, the operating process, and the behaviors is that you are holding yourself and the team accountable. I'll, I'll share with you what that means. Uh, Please. So um, when I first got to Ford, I spent a lot of time, as you know, going over those two, those two slides, both the, the, uh, uh, the principles and practices and the implementation with the management system. And they asked lots of questions because, as you pointed out, that's not the culture that they had. They were not operating that way. Matter of fact, as when I selected the leadership team, most of them didn't know each other and didn't, hadn't worked with each other around the world. And they sure didn't know how to work this way. And so they had, and it was, it was understandable. They wanted to know exactly what every one of those words meant. They were looking them up in a dictionary. <laughs> they, were looking up, they were looking up love. They were looking up uh, transparency and appreciation and respect. They were going through all those are compelling vision. Uh, everybody's included. What do those things mean? And, and of course, uh, why were they important? Because they need to understand the why of it also. And then they want to know about the how. How do they how do they operate that way? Well, what do they do if they make a mistake, if they're not respectful or appreciative? And so that went on for like almost three months, as you well know, because this was all new to them. And so we finally started the business plan review. We created, put the team together, agreed on the, on the governance process, we put together our, our strategy, which was exciting, um, with all new products and services and the productivity. And then we started the BPR. In the first few BPRs, um, we had 300 charts. All the members were there, all 16 members, and all of them were green. And, and we had shared with them now chief financial officer, because we were sharing everything, facts and data, uh, and everybody that knows the plan, well, then we were losing $17 billion. We are going to lose $17 billion. And so I stopped the meeting a couple of times and I said, so uh, you guys know we're going to lose $17 billion. Is there anything in your area of responsibility that's not going to work well? You know, maybe one or two little things. And of course, <laughs> of course the eye contact is going to the floor because... They're terrified. I mean, 
the, the, the culture at the time was you never brought an issue to your your supervisor, let alone the CEO. Right. It was red if you didn't have a solution. And so now you're managing a secret. So I kept sharing with them. It's going to be okay. Still love you. You're, we selected you. You're not the problem. You're the answer. Um, but we need to share with the situation as we move forward. So finally, as you remember, Mark Fields yep. had a, an issue with the liftgate on, on the new Ford Edge in Oakville, Canada. They stopped production, which is a big deal. So he, he put up his chart in the VPR uh, and had um, the, uh, um, the product status, the schedule status, and the financial uh, status. And they were, all, they were all red. And the night before in his VPR, they were all green. And he said, yeah, I think this is one of those red things. We just stopped production. I think that's one of those red things I was talking about. So he put that up. And I mean, you could have, you could hear the sucking sound of the air just at the end of the Thunderbird room. And, and then he put it up, said he had this problem. They were working on it. Um, and, and so I started to clap. Everybody around that round table in Thunderbird Room is looking at me and they're looking at Mark and they're looking at the two doors behind me in the Thunderbird Room, expecting them to open. Two large human beings are going to come in and expect <laughs> Mark. Al Capone moment. <laughs> and so I, I clapped. I said, Thank you, Mark. That's great visibility. And everybody's looking at the, under the table and they're looking at me sideways. And, and I said to the team, Is there any uh, initial thoughts you have to help Mark out right now? And uh, Derek Cusack, who's leading our engineering around the world, said, I have seen that problem. I'll get that data before I get that data up to you right away, over to you right away. And same thing from uh, Benny Fowler, who's in a quality. And then Joe Hendricks is leading uh, manufacturing worldwide. He said, we're going to figure this out. We've got everybody here. And you're going to need some manufacturing engineers in Oakville, Canada, to uh, uh, replace the parts and get their production going again. So I'll get those. I'll get those. Uh, then on the way to you at Oakville right away. And that took about 10 seconds. Then we were on to the next green, 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 green. Well, the next week, the only red was still Mark. And they're still, and then they're amazed. I can see them looking around the room and there's Mark. He's still there. I mean, what's, what's up with that? And so I actually asked Mark uh, to, I, during the week, I said, I want you to sit next to me now, Mark. But I didn't tell him why. So it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> and so he thought, I'm going to be held as an example. And, he, and so uh, the next week he's sitting right next to me and he's the only red. And the whole place is looking at him going, not only is it still red, but he's now moved closer to the CEO. What's up with that? And so then the next week, uh, I think he maybe had a yellow. And uh, the next couple of weeks it turned to green. The vehicles were flowing all around the world. And all 300 charts looked like a rainbow. Uh, a lot of greens because there's always a lot of things going well and you want to celebrate that just like you do the reds but a lot of yellows and reds and at that point I knew and everybody else knew that no matter what came at us if we would follow these principles and practices mm -hmm. we could work together and turn the reds to yellows and greens yeah. and develop uh, the better plan right away everybody's working through their culture and working through their behaviors and we had a couple of people that uh, initially started going after members of the team. And uh, one of them, a really smart person, knew a lot about the business. I trusted him. I, I tried to gather all the information I could find. And he would go after the people to make sure that they really understood what they were talking about. But he did it in a very aggressive way. 
Well, it just stopped the working together. So I called him up to his office and shared with him, took my working together principles and practices. I said, how do you think it went today? Did you notice that their, their eye contact and how they stopped talking and stopped arguing with you or stopped trying to understand you? And he said, I, I know, I know. And I said, now you remember why we're doing this? He said, oh, I know that you know, things are changing. We need their hearts and minds, uh, but I don't know whether I can change my behaviors. And I said, I understand, um, but um, and if you can't, it's okay. And he looked at me, I could tell what he was thinking. He looked at me, right? And he said, well, I mean, it's okay because I'm so good and I'm so important that I can act this way and not follow these behaviors. I said, well, not quite. Um, what I mean is you're, each of us are selecting or choosing how we're going to act. And if you, if you can't behave this way, then it's okay because you're choosing to leave. And we still love you. That's the first principle. And we wish you the very best. And I want you to go home tonight. And I want you to think about it. And I want you to come back and tell me what you're going to do. Because I don't want to guess. And, and he came back the next day and he said, I don't think I, I can do it. And I said, that's great. I wish you the best. Stayed good friends with him. Um, had another uh, leader. And she used rhetorical questions. There's nothing that's the antithesis of working together like rhetorical questions. You're asking a question where you know the answer so you can, you can commit to toxic. Person to answer it and tell everybody how smart you are. No. And so I followed her up to the office, went through the same working together piece of paper. And she went home, came back and said, you know, uh, I was taught that in my previous jobs and it, I see it's not useful. It's not working together. So I want to commit to uh, absolutely learning these principles and practices. And wow. I said, I want you to tell the people, the team, the next meeting, BPR, tell them what you're going to do. Tell them what you're, you're going to get away from these, these uh, um, rhetorical questions and ask them for their help. And if you make a mistake, just tell them I'm sorry. They never, not only had they not heard the love word, they hadn't heard the sorry word. I'm sorry. What I meant to say was blah, blah, blah. And she turned out to be one of the most fabulous leaders I've ever worked with. So this, this accountability, first of all, being really clear about what the culture is, every aspect of the culture, including the behaviors and the meetings, and then the having zero tolerance for following it and doing it in a positive can-do way. These conversations, everybody always asks me, oh, it must be tough to have these tough conversations. No, it's easy. Here are the principles and practices. Here's what we agreed to. Yeah. And we're just, I'm just asking you how it's going. Because if you actually don't realize that you're being destructive, then we need to have another conversation about your self-awareness. And so I've always thought, I've always taken, I've always taken great satisfaction in leading the accountability for following the principles and practice. And everybody in the organization, you, you can imagine how fast they adopt the very same uh, culture. And they, and they love, they love nurturing it. Alan, this is such great stuff. Let's take a short break here. We'll continue the conversation when we get back. Does your organization have a red team culture? Is it an innovative, learning and resilient culture that is continually improving, continually adapting and continually evolving to meet the new challenges and opportunities each day brings? Or is it reactive? siloed and hamstrung by command and control leadership that doesn't like to be challenged or questioned? Does your organization encourage diversity of thought, 
and ensure that everyone's voice is heard? Or does it silence dissent and promote those who toe the line? Take our free assessment and find out how your organisation rates. There's a link to it in the notes below. Let's see how you score. Welcome back. So many great ideas, so many great insights, Alan. My my mind is 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 just spinning with questions. I remember when I was still a reporter and I was reporting on all of this in real time as you were rolling out these working together principles and practices at Ford and write stories talking about how you know Alan's Alan's put up a sign saying no jokes at anyone else's expense. Alan's wants everyone working together as one team. He's celebrating the Reds. He's he's getting people help and. It was, and, and you know, Detroit is a hard place. It's a, it's a sharp elbowed place. It's it's not a it's not a place where people are are used to working together, and uh, and a lot of people were like, ah, what is all this kumbaya stuff that that Malali's on about? You know, people at GM were scoffing and stuff. And the thing that you just revealed there, which which is something that's so important, and it took me a little while to learn this about you, is that. This is not all warm and fuzzy. It's it, it the, the love is real, but so is the accountability. Tough love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, tough love. Parenting skills again. And, and uh, Marcus, I wouldn't even say tough love because it's done in a loving way. Hmm? But think of that, think of that conversation. I love you. Absolutely. But this is how. Well, this is how we have to operate because we're not going to be able to create this value if we don't adopt these behaviors. So I think, and, and the people, they never thought about it as tough. They thought about it as useful to them. And the people, because everybody had memory, they all had their improvement plan. So they thought it was, it was a godsend that they would get this feedback because very rarely do people ask for feedback or self-aware enough to listen to the feedback uh, or appreciate it. So uh, it turns out that everybody starts nurturing this same environment. And that's so powerful because, I, I, you know, I remember it's a story I tell a lot of our clients. First time you came down to the Detroit News uh, for a sit-down interview about six weeks after you started, the first question that Daniel Howes and I asked you was, when are you going to start firing these jokers? And And I'll never forget that you looked at us like we just said the stupidest thing in the world. And I was like, I was sitting there and I was like, what did we just say wrong? And, and, and then, and then Daniel was like, you know, you, you were like, what do you mean? And Daniel was, who had a lot of experience, a lot of history covering the auto industry. He started saying, you know, the litany of all the problems that the executive team at Ford that you inherited had created. And, and he says, when are you going to get rid of these guys and bring in your, your folks from Boeing? And I'll never forget it. You said, why would I do that? You said the, the Ford people Alan, at Ford have so the answers much, they Alan, need. So much knowledge. Yeah. They just need a vision strategy to plan. And you said how, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to fire anybody. I'm going to lay out the principles of how we're going to work together as a team. And I'm going to invite each of these people with all their experience, with all their knowledge, with all their talent to join the team. And and they're either going to join the team or and I'll never forget this. You said, or they'll self-select out. It's their choice. Yeah. Still, and, love you. Still love you. 
As you said, <laughs> I love that. That final line. Still love you. Two, you know, <laughs> brilliant. When you when you left the company, only two of them had, had self-selected out. But even that was powerful because I remember when you left that room, when you left the, the meeting room at the Detroit News, Daniel and I were said, no one is going to self-select out of a senior leadership role at Ford Motor Company. These guys are making millions of dollars a year. But sure enough, some people did. And it's okay. Just remember, it's okay. Because we agree. We agree. No, no, it's 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 so important for the accountability, as you said. That's right. Because the minute that you would not be held accountable for operating this way, it won't make any difference what you said or what you have on a piece of paper because people are going to watch you. I, I and I led the I, I always led with the principles and practices. I knew I had to. So if I if I said if I was watching somebody and I and they they looked like they weren't getting it or maybe I, they they were feeling anxious about it or something, I'd stop and I'd, I'd try again. And I'd right. say, I'm sorry if, if it somehow that offended you. What I was really trying to say was this. And, and when you're, you know, people talk about the value of vulnerability, it's unbelievable um, when you say you're sorry or you share with somebody with it, or ask them what their concerns are and stuff, or you share your concerns because the whole, it just enhances the culture because now you can be a real person and you can share what's going on. Wow. Value of vulnerability. Love that. Yeah, yeah. You can sleep better. I love that. That's true. Good. The other thing I love about what you're talking about is you mentioned always be working on the better plan. And, and I got to tell you, it's this concept of always be working on the better plan that led me on my journey to discover red teaming is write my second book, red team to start this company, red team thinking, because when I, when I started sharing your, your working together principles and practices, your management system with, with companies after I, I, I got over being a journalist and started trying to help people rather than just talk about their problems. Um, one of the things that I struggled with was, well, how do you, how do you, do how do you continue to work on the better plan? Because one of the things I saw is a lot of organizations, particularly successful organizations, they get complacent. They think, okay, we we've solved the problem here. You know, we don't need to think about this anymore. So this idea of always working on a better plan is something that's so important. But doing that is challenging for a lot of people. Why do you think it's important to always be working on the better plan? And how do you do that? Well, think about our profitable growth for all. Yes. And being really specific about that. I mean, that's not a warm, fuzzy thing or ambiguous thing. Those, that's a measurement. And also all of the other performance measures like customer satisfaction, like employee satisfaction, where you're asking them every year what they think. And so that profitable growth means financially and all the rest of the measures of the stakeholders, they're all moving, they're all growing. And so how do you do that? The only way to do it is to keep innovating and keep growing both on the products and services side and also on the efficiency side. And you know, the neat thing about that is that when you're growing, it is much easier to work on the efficiency side. If you're declining in revenues, then part of the efficiency is letting people go. So now you're asking people to work on the efficiency and their reward is to be laid off. So when you, when you start growing the business, holy cow, now everybody is working on both the product and services and the efficiency. 
So now you have not separate teams. You have everybody working on your products and services and growing that and the efficiency. And also you're you're looking five years out. So you can't you can't sacrifice the future by cutting costs or, or not investing in the future or whatever. Because every time that uh, you're looking at your investments, you're looking at not for just next year, because then you'll take maybe a hit in next year, but you're looking five years out. And that's what all the analysts and all of the investors want to know. They don't want to know about this year or really even next year. They want to know, are you working on a plan to create that growth over the next four or five years? So now you have everybody together on the same plan. I'll give you a good example. Like on the F-150, you brought the F-150. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to the place where uh, aluminum in technology and in, in uh, uh, cost, we're getting to the place that with our volume, we could actually replace the steel with aluminum on the body. Well, that was a dream of everybody. I mean, because the fracture toughness is better, the cost is better, the, the, the weight saving resulted in four or five miles per gallon improvement on an F-150, the number one vehicle in the world for 50 years. And so uh, I remember when we were getting close to deciding, everybody, boy, this is the time. We've got the volume, we've got the technology, we've got the systems. But, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to shut down the F-150 plant, three plants, for a few months to retool the whole place. And so we're going to end up taking a hit in, in two or $3 billion. And, and, the, and the analysts and everybody else, investors will go crazy. They'll kill us. And I said, I don't think so. Don't we think that we're going to sell a lot more F-150s and the customer's going to like them even more? Well, well so we're going to tell them. That's why we're doing it, because it's going to create more value. And so we're going to tell them that? And so, well, yeah, well, that's our plan. Look at We got the sales go up and the volume goes up, blah, blah, blah. And, they, and they, there was a lot of skepticism about that. There sure was. And the minute that we said it, and the day we said it, stock price went up. Even though we told them the next year, we're going to make a little bit less. Mm-hmm. We're doing it for the long term. Well, that's all they wanted to hear is, do is a company dedicated to creating value in the long term for all the stakeholders. So yeah. that was amazing, though. But, you know, that only went up, Alan, because you invested the time and energy personally, I know, in going to Wall Street and sitting with the analysts and sitting with the big banks and telling the story. Well, that's part. That's part of our part of it. Part of the strategy is. Yep. is remember, everybody knows the plan. Right. Everybody. Everybody knows yep. the plan. All those stakeholders, and they are stakeholders. The analysts, they're stakeholders. You embarrass the analysts. Their yep. job is that they can influence. Yeah. Yep. The SEC barely percent what you're doing. No secrets. Transparency. I mean, the, the whole world. Is included, and if you include them, they are on your team. They're helping you get it done. So that's why everyone is included, and everybody knows the plan. The status is so important. Wow, that's amazing. Very good. It is incredible. So we've talked so much. You talk so much about leadership today, Alan, and it's fans- yeah, it's just fascinating to hear how leadership permeates through everything. But over the last few years, there's been a lot of criticism over. Leaders or the senior executives, if you will, of the boardrooms, because it appears that they've stopped growing. They've stagnated, seemingly satisfied with where they are and where they're at. 
And when that happens, we know the impact that can have on an organization. So, Alan, I'd like to ask you personally, how have you continued to grow throughout your career? Because you focus so much in this discussion about everybody else. You're a very giving individual. But I really want to know about you. How have you continued this incredible growth trajectory? Uh, I think that is, uh, Marcus, is a fabulous question. I thought long and hard about it. And, and I think that, uh, again, um, when I started that formation and I realized that you're either growing or you're not, all my little jobs and everything I did and everything I loved, okay. but it needed to grow. And so this growth is from day one. And my parents, what they taught me is all about growth, continuous improvement, lifelong mm-hmm. learning. It's never over. And you want to keep making, serving and growing, well, you can't escape it then. Because now that is your purpose, is to find your service and grow it for the good of everybody. And so, uh, and then and then in the working of the manual system, you actually have a plan for every member of the team. You can't escape it, to your question. You, you have a growth plan. And you create that plan by talking to all of the stakeholders around you, business-wise and personally. So you're you're uh, you have all this help and you're and you're making progress. And think how each of us feels when we build our competency, whether it's a technical or functional or social skills. Uh, how good that feels to see people's eyes light up and, and that you're making a difference and you see them and you're and you're supporting them. And so uh, I think that the more that that we could get back to. Uh, holding ourselves accountable for growing, especially led by the leadership, to your point. It's never good enough to not be growing because we need to grow to increase our show. You know, the neatest thing about that is that if you're growing, then you get to do more of what you love. So it's, and so it's, a, it's all back to that growth. And also, that is funda, that's a fundamental of any organization, whether it's profit or nonprofit is to grow for the benefit of all the stakeholders. And so I, I think that's why, why the business roundtable, when they, when they have included more than just the shareholder, shareholder is really important, but so are the employees, so are the suppliers, so are the communities, the governments, everybody. So I think that moving to a growth that's going to enhance everybody's lives to greater good, I think that is absolutely future. And, and as a person, you you can't escape it. And so you're just going to have so much fun growing. So it's all about having fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right, Marcus. That's amazing. Great, Great stuff, Alan. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with us today, talk with our, our listeners, our viewers, to share all of your wonderful expertise, your knowledge, the working together principles, the working together management system. This is such powerful stuff. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, I'd like to say thank you. And um, what you have done, Bryce, is is spectacular. Um, We, you know, we had 70 or 80 people that wanted to write a book about the transformation of Ford. And because it's just, it just was just everybody wanted to know all the details. And we selected you. And the reason we selected you is that one, you're technically very competent. 
And two, we trusted you. Because uh, on a story like this, there are a lot of places that you can wander around and there's a lot of history. Well, we're not so much interested in the history. We were interested in sharing what we were doing to create this exciting, sustainable, vibrantly growing forward. And that's what we asked you. And that's what you committed to. because That's what you wanted to share with everybody. And as everybody knows, you did a phenomenal job. Uh, that American Icon book is one of, was on bestseller, Wall Street Journal. It's just, it's just fabulous. And the detail you put into that uh, is phenomenal. The interviews, I mean, Bill Ford, myself, all the suppliers, the employees, everybody. You really, really did a, a great job. And then what you're doing with Red Team is fabulous. And so uh, I just want to thank you one more time for the contribution that you've made. Thank you. A lot, a lot of people. A lot of people. I, I really couldn't have done it without you. When I when I said that I, I've been fortunate to have you as a mentor, I, I really mean that. I, I've learned so much from you. And, and as I said before, it's been a privilege for me to be able to share what I've learned from you with so many other people in the world, with so many great companies, governments, organizations. And thank you for that, too. I, every time that you uh, uh, use those opportunities to share parts of that story, I get, I get an email from somebody that was there. <laughs> so well, as you as, as we both know, they could tell where I am and where you are by watching the book, book sales continue. <laughs> it's true, and it's so powerful, and it, and it continues to inspire people all over the world, and not just in business. I've shared your working together principles, your working together management system with militaries, with intelligence organizations, with 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 all sorts of NGOs, the CDC. All, all sorts of organizations, every one of them finds inspiration in this, sees how they can apply it to their own leadership, That's whether right. they're leading a small business, whether they're leading a multinational corporation, whether they're leading a military unit, whether they're leading a government. It's that it's that powerful and it works. That's great. You've said working together works. It yes. always works. It does. That's great. Cool. I look forward to continuing to work with you both, too. And welcome. Absolute pleasure. Welcome to the team. Absolutely. Thanks, Alan. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Leader podcast, sponsored by Red Team Thinking. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss the next idea filled episode. Also, check out Bryce and Marcus's YouTube channel, Red Team TV. There you'll find video of today's podcast as well as previous episodes. And don't forget to visit redteamthinking.com to learn more about Red Team Thinking work and Marcus and Bryce's upcoming online courses. While you're there, take our free quiz to find out how you rate as a Red Team Thinker and if your organization has a Red Team culture. Because who thinks wins? Wins.